With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. City Art Chronicles is a Bay Art Chronicles production. <laughs> And welcome to the Syria Chronicles podcast. We are recording today on the morning or the afternoon after the Oscars, where Chris Rock got slapped by Will Smith, but it was nothing compared to the slap in the face that Italian football took when Tchaikovsky picked out the bottom corner in the 92nd minute of the playoff, uh, World Cup playoff qualifying. Uh, semi-final, not even the final of the playoffs. That's how far we've fallen this time around, guys. I am absolutely still reading from uh, this, but um, I'm not the only one I've got with me today. Not only uh, Mina Rizuki, as always, but we have Adriana Del Monte with us, who is um, an Australian-Italian international football presenter, event host, working for FIFA, BN, BT, ESPN, Optisport, many, many more, Adriana. I feel like I see you everywhere. And I definitely saw you on the sideline in Palermo on what was not a happy night for Italian football. Nikki, thank you for the introduction. I would have liked to have been joining you on a more positive occasion, but yes, certainly a, a disastrous experience in Palermo. A shocking, shocking evening of football. Statistically dominant in a playoff again, but it counts for little when you can't put the ball in the back of the net. And such a hollow, empty feeling still days on and where to next, what next, where, where does Italian football go from here? So many questions that I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss and, and start to see what's potentially ahead for the Italian national team, but another very, very dark day in Italian football. Mina, jump on in. I just wanted to ask you, did you guys get any nightmares Um I mean, did you sort of have like a little bit of anxiety or did any of you cry? That's another thing, you know, because I honestly noticed that I didn't cry this time round, mm-hmm. and I don't know whether I'm now just getting mm-hmm. used to the feeling or not. What happened? I'm with you, Mina. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting question, isn't it? Like, because I, I mean, this is like, a, 
I don't know how you guys felt about it. Like in 2017, when Italy lost, it was, it was a hammer. Like it was like, that was such a hard feeling. And what's weird this time around is I, not that there isn't a lot that we need to fix, which we're going to get into, but like this team is, is just better than the one four years ago. It just is. 2017, everything was wrong. So this should almost hurt more because this team not going feels worse. Like it's a worse feeling that this team doesn't get to go. But I just, I don't know, maybe I felt like I saw it coming. Adriano, like how was it in the stadium when that ball went in? I feel like it must have been like an extraordinary moment when that happened. It was bizarre. I Look, obviously the stats we know, 32 shots to four, 16 corners to zero. I can honestly tell you that there were very, very few seconds in the game where my body shifted towards that North Macedonian end. It was it was all one-way traffic. It, look, it did feel obviously inside the stadium, even the energy, it did feel as we approached 70, 75 minutes that extra time was inevitable. It, it did feel that way. So the thoughts of... The visitors scoring, it, it didn't seem possible. But there was a very strange, and I think you guys have explained it very similarly to how I was feeling at the time and have been feeling since, but there was a very strange feeling that when the ball went in the back of the net, I, there was a part of me that was not surprised. I just, there was something that came over me that just felt like, okay, I've seen this before. I, I've seen Italian yeah. clubs in the Champions League well, Inter against Liverpool, dominate for large periods and then, well, inevitably they don't score, they get eliminated. And it was that sort of feeling yet again where I couldn't actually believe what I had seen, but there was a part of me that actually wasn't so shocked. Yeah, that's so true. I think that's a really, like, good way of putting it. Sorry, no, you go, Minnie, you go. No, I was going to say, like, my best friend who lives in New York, you know, Italian through and through, and he, and we were discussing all of this in our group chat because, it's a huge group chat and, and everyone's saying, oh, well, you know, Ollie, Ollie said it. He said that it would be really tough to qualify. And I said, that's just the thing. Everyone thought that. Like there were so many people that were nervous about this. Even, you know, Nikki last week when we were discussing this, she was like, I have a mm-hmm. bad feeling about this, you know? Yeah. And I think this is the weird thing about this is when have we ever had bad feelings about this? You know, you would usually think to yourself, a World Cup qualifiers or whatever, like these are just friendly games that Italy always just gets through, you know? Because, you know, Italy always gets through. And so you're just thinking to yourself, like, it's when I saw that, it's exactly like you said, it's watching Inter, it's watching, you know, Juventus also in the Champions League. It's really just becoming like this episode constantly of, you know, Inter had like thousands of chances, couldn't make it work. Juventus had thousands of chances and then, you know, lose 3-0. And then mm-hmm. you're just starting to think that there's a pattern developing there. And then we have the fear. So you sort of understand the fear in all the players. It's it's even more than that, Mina. Like, and I, and Mancini in his post game interview, he talks about it being like that goal is like it was almost apposta, like it's almost on purpose, like it's deliberate, and like I I actually really understand what he meant by that. Now we'll get on to like his mistakes because they exist, and we'll get to that in a second. But I I just think there's been a feeling for me like almost slowly, slowly, you didn't feel it all at once. But like ever since Italy got back from the Euros and they drew with Bulgaria because. At that point, it's like had a handful of aces, right? So little that needed to be done to get to qualified from from where Italy were in the group. They'd won all their games. They just needed to win a couple more against teams they should be, and it's fine. And then you don't beat Bulgaria and you have 27 shots. Bulgaria have four, you draw one all. And you think, okay, like, it's okay. Then you go and play Switzerland and um, that was the nil-nil. 
And in that game, I think another Berardi opportunity, of course, Berardi missed one against Macedonia. Berardi goes clean through. It's all there. So easy to score. doesn't score it. Then uh, Jorginho missed the penalty as well. And just slowly, slowly from there to the next game, to the next game, it starts to feel like this quicksand. It starts to feel like everything's going in a certain direction and and somehow we can't stop it. Like, even though we know where it's going. And, you know, I saw... Um, you know, not wanting to sort of pick my first sort of person to be angry at when he wasn't even playing in the game. But I saw Bonucci um, has been sort of lamenting this idea of a one-off playoff and saying it's it's not a reasonable way to to decide a World Cup. And in, in some way, I see what you mean, because of course, like it, it is so open to random things, but you know what? It wasn't a one-off playoff that got Italy here. It was Switzerland, Switzerland, Bulgaria, Northern Ireland. That's why Italy are out of the World Cup. It's not it's not because you lost to Macedonia, North Macedonia. Um, but I feel like we should we should get into it like properly and like talk about yeah, like, what actually went that. wrong. So, well, let's let's start with the game itself. Or in a, and I think that's probably the place to start. Like Mancini decided to stick by in his telling the players who won him Euro twenty twenty. Of course, he was missing three quarters of the defense to start in the final, and also Spinazzola, so effectively the whole defense from Euro twenty twenty. Um, he was missing Federico Chiesa. But he had most of the midfield and the attack. So you guys tell me why that didn't work. Adriana, why don't you, you go first? Attack for me was the problem coming in. I guess I'm not exactly sure, Nikki, where your, I guess your queries were coming in and, and why a bit of the lack of confidence. But I shared similar views because coming in, irrespective of looking ahead to Portugal or Turkey or just the first task at hand, North Macedonia, where were the goals going to come from? That's the plain and simple fact. And no Federico Chiesa, we knew that North Macedonia were going to play the way that they played. That was not a surprise. Who was going to break the lines? Who was going to get in behind and, and get on the end of the brilliant Verratti work in the middle of the park? And, well, unfortunately, Immobile, for whatever reason, just does not get it done in an Azzurri shirt. In Insigne, we know that his form is not the same form that we saw last summer. And it, I did feel coming in, it was up to Berardi. I felt that mm. he was going to be the likeliest player to score. And, and unfortunately, when you have two or three golden chances and you don't take them, oh, we find ourselves in this position. So from an attacking sense, the, the game unfortunately played out exactly as I had anticipated. I had... Here, I live in Milan, and here many Italians, don't worry, we'll score three or four, as they casually say. But uh, no, I, look, no, it, I, I didn't see where three or four, I predicted a one-nil at best for us, and I just didn't see where those goals were going to come from. And, and obviously, defensively, I think the headaches in this game, well, they weren't exposed, with exception to that shot at, at the death. That was their first shot on target, North Macedonia in the second half four shots for the game. So defensively, it wasn't so much a concern, but clearly going forward to a potential match with Portugal, that would have been, certainly have been an issue. But where do you start with the team? Because in the attacking sense, ultimately, you can dominate, you can dictate the play in the heart of the park, but if you are not finishing the chances or creating good chances, this is certainly the first step of the revolution for me for Italy. Identify... And, and adapt, and and Mancini's will, uh, unwillingness to to adapt, and maybe change a little from what we saw at the Euros. I think that let's call it stubbornness in in a small way, with maintaining respect for Mancini, and given the success they had eight months prior, I think that has been a very costly 
tactical decision from the manager this time around? I guess, listen, for me, like, I, I've got to ask you guys a question because I, I sort of need to know where you all stand before I can have this conversation or right. I know what to come back on. So I guess what I wanted to ask you. <laughs> really needs to know the ground rules. <laughs> Yeah, I need to know the ground rules. Like, do you think this is the second apocalypse? <laughs> yeah, like they're calling it. Is this like something that you are upset with Mancini about? Like, I want to know whether you're really upset and think, no, this is a disaster for Italian football. This is the apocalypse. And where you stand on what Mancini did. And I feel like I need to know those answers because I, before I can engage you in my arguments. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually a really, really good question. I mean, I'm glad you've asked that. I think that's going to sort of probably a really important starting point for the conversation. So good, good thinking to like stop us and do that. Cause I was thinking like, um, do you know, there's, there's so many different sort of, I think almost even phases of feeling about this. Like in the moment you're just like, oh, for flip, for want of a better word, for flip's sake, that <laughs> has happened again. How have they made a mess of this? Anger at people for making a mess of it, disappointment and sadness. But from last time around, Honestly, like the thing that stays with me from the last World Cup we missed was how hollow that summer felt. The whole world is having a party and you're not part of it. Like everyone in the world, of course, it's not really like that. It's 32 teams, but it feels like that when you're one of the countries that's used to being there. Everyone else has gone off. It's like that thing when you're, a, I don't know, a kid or a teenager and everyone else has been invited to a party and you weren't invited for some reason. You're like not with, you're not there anymore. And that feeling I won't know how it feels until it happens, but I also have this like more profound version of that in my head because in the end, I've seen Italy win a World Cup. I've seen Italy win a Euros. I've, I've uh, watched Italy even before winning a World Cup, being a World Cup final. I grew up with an Italy that was in, you know, the semi-final of 1990 and then was at the, uh, that was when it was in the final in 1994. And that, I chart my whole childhood, I think, sometimes around like these four-year blocks, around like the memory of where my family yeah. was and like the holidays we had and like the things we did around World Cups. And I saw an interview with um, Gian Felice Facchetti, I think it was in Gazetta, son of Giacinto Facchetti. And he was saying like, my sons are going to have 12 years without a World Cup. And that's assuming it'll make it next time, by the way. But that changes your whole life's relationship with football. And I think that, you know, there's like the sort of, what does that mean for Italian football side of it? Because I think it's very damaging. Like, I think it does diminish the luster of the game for kids who can go and do anything with their life. But I think it also just on a personal level, I find it really sad. Like the summers of World Cups, and I know this isn't a World Cup summer for, for at least those in the Northern Hemisphere, because it's in the winter and everything. But I I find it devastating when I think about it too much. So like I, I sort of on a but personal level- Mancini? Sorry? Do you blame Mancini? Do you think that, you know, this, that what Italian football has done something wrong? Um, big picture, no. I think the big picture is not Mancini's fault. Uh, small picture, could he have made some decisions better? Yes, but I, I don't... We'll talk about Mancini's future afterwards. Like, you know, but spoiler, like I, I'm okay with him staying as manager. Like, I, I think that's not the biggest issue and I don't think that's the big thing. I think in the, in the small picture, yeah, I think he could have, he could have picked a team differently, but... You know, again, I don't think I don't think Italy lost the World Cup on Thursday. I think they lost it in the group stage. So, how do you guys feel? I want to know how you guys feel, Adriana. I mean, I'm with I'm with Nikki. I'm I can't I would echo the the exact same words. I 
I could go off on a bit of a tangent once we talk about what the specific problem is, and I agree with Nikki. I don't think Mancini. But tell is me, tell me that. Let's go. Fun. Let's get into it. Look, I look. I've been. I'm obviously. I'm born in Australia. I've been living and working in Italy over the last several seasons here, and have immersed myself more in the culture of of Italy as a country and Italy as Italian football. And I knew a lot but I'm learning a lot more about it. And there is a deep, deep rooted problem in Italy culturally, which has impacted Italian football, the, the country, the economy. It, it runs a lot deeper than where we're at. We have, we, we won a European Championships eight months ago. We won it on merits, no doubt about that. It was the, the greatest professional experience of my life covering all of those seven fixtures and being there and forever grateful for, for seeing that. But there are deep-rooted problems in, in, the, in the structure, in, in, in our competition, in our direction, in our leadership that are cultural issues that will take generations potentially to change. And, and I think that there could be a discussion that could be had on this that that could be its own program because these are very complex complex factors that, that have impacted the Italians in their day-to-day -day life. I think when we bring it to football, it's about where are the lessons learned. We, you know, there have been some famous things that have been brought up in, in recent days since the elimination. For example, Roberto Baggio's famous report a decade ago that was, wasn't even looked at. Massimo Ordo, who, who mentioned after Italy won the World Cup in 2006, that there were still problems. Yes, we won the World Cup, but there are still problems in our system. Fast forward 16 years on, we have no youth coming through. There are no young players playing in the top flights. We, we are not developing and producing local talent. They're, they're told to, to play Serie C, Serie B. There's more money elsewhere. The, the, the kids factor, huge, huge factor, Nikki. I, 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 it saddens me to, to think about that, but there will be children in 2026 who are 18 years of age who have no memories of Italy in a World Cup. They would have been six in Brazil in 2014. That's my whole childhood. My whole childhood is based on those four-year cycles. And, and it makes me so sad. Someone who's been so passionate about Italian football, yes, on another, in another country, the other side of the world, but it was because football was what they brought with them there to integrate into a new culture, a new society. And football is, is, is what my life has been based around. And now 18 years of children will not have access to that. And I put that down to, to the leadership across the board. I put that down to, to people making decisions about things that worked in the 80s and 90s when we were on top of the world that are still in similar positions of power now and still making the same decisions now, but unwilling to okay, take on... Okay, let's talk about those. What are these decisions? Look, I, 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 I do think, like a lesson. I think from the league. Look, you have, to, you have to go to the league to understand the Serie A, how far behind they are as a league marketing okay. commercialization they oh i'm happy to i'm happy to publicly say they have no idea what they're doing they, they have no idea and do you think this is, is what impacting the national team I, I i believe i believe it's 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 ingrained in the culture of italian football and i believe whether it's the national team making decisions like hiring ventura at the time albeit he was one of very few that were available there are these looking after friends and favours for others and not really thinking about what's best for the game going forward, what's best for, for football going forward. I just think there are a few too many selfish individuals involved in the game that are looking after themselves, unwilling to, to accept 
the fact that there may be significant change required. And the fact we haven't learned from five years ago, well, that's telling something. We should have qualified, but we haven't is the fact. Can you name and shame? Because I, I just, the only thing I want to say here is because I, I really just want this pod to be a little bit more, I, I know like a lot of us, I mean, we also did post-match reactions and it's a lot about like, the kids will never see something, you know, like, I mean, there's a war going on. So I do want to like sort of want to, I know it's like a morn, morning period as well, but like, sure. I, I do also want to sort of emphasize, I want to get down into the nitty gritty, name and shame, what is happening? You know, what do you genuinely think is the problem? Like the youth of uh, not being given a chance? What, where do you think that we can move? Like, let's get to the nitty gritty because people keep saying there are structural problems. There are deep problems. No one's listening to Roberto Baggio. What are these problems? Let's give our let's give our audience, you know, like the full picture that you guys or you know we all collectively think is the problem. I can give you an example again. For me, it's Italian football as a, as a culture. It's not just the national team in isolation. From from my okay. experience, I can I can give you a very easy example where I feel that the, the biggest problem at the moment is there is no appeal about Italian football. There is no appeal for the Serie A. Why would a young Dusan Vlaovic decide to remain in Serie A? Because he already had a bit of love for Juventus. Same with Locatelli. But those players are few and far in between. I can give you an example from a broadcast perspective. I work for seven or eight broadcasters globally covering mainly Champions League, but Serie A where required. I can give you some examples of how other leagues in Europe look after their foreign broadcasters because they respect their marketability, their opportunity to grow into those markets, but that Serie A just turn a blind eye to because it's too much work. And I'll give you an easy example. A broadcaster that I work with in India who had the rights to Serie A for six years and in that period would have done as much coverage, if not more, than any other English broadcaster broadcaster globally. They did a wonderful job with it. To get access to a player or a club, the Serie A made it so, so difficult for them to do it mm. that they gave up, yeah. and understandably so. I, I'm here in Milan. They could have sent me to Torino, to, to Bergamo, here in Milan, nice and easy. They gave up to the point where they lost out on the rights to Serie A to renew for another three years this cycle, and they've purchased the Bundesliga, Within the first four or five months with the Bundesliga, the Bundesliga are giving them access to one top player every week, one top club every week, because they're aware of the Bundesliga, that if they can market themselves into a country who have 1.2 billion people in that country, they will pick up new fans. And as a result, the Bundesliga is starting to flourish in India. Common sense. But we have individuals who work at Serie A who see that, well, that's extra work. We only really care about domestically what's happening not respecting the fact that look at what the Premier League have done to the rest of the world. Look at what La Liga do with La Liga TV and servicing their servicing their markets. So there, there's that sort of internal issue, which is which is a, a big, big problem and something that certainly those I've spoken to here at Serie A are just simply not aware of. And I think that does translate into other aspects of Italian football, the national team included. I, yeah, actually, I really want to get like, because I feel like um, I really want to hear like Mina's thoughts. I like, Mina's been throwing questions and I haven't really heard like how Mina feels about some of this <laughs> stuff. But I, I, I do want to echo that. As a journalist, I think it's it's very, very true that, that Italian football does not help itself a lot. There's a couple of clubs that are good. Um, and, you know, the bigger clubs have, have been getting a lot better, I would say. The, the bigger clubs have, have been putting more effort into it, but, but they, they, it hasn't always helped itself. 
And I think that it's absolutely true. And this is what makes this so bloody complicated. Because I've had a conversations in the last, I don't know, 72 hours. I've had conversations with a couple of coaches in Italy and, and same, same, same line from everybody. Everybody agrees on this, right? We need to do more about youth. We need to be giving Italian kids more of a chance, like stop sending Italian kids out to, to um, do their education in, in the lower leagues because it's, it's, it's not productive. We need to get them in the top league. Everyone agrees on this. Too many foreign players taking spots from Italian players. Everyone agrees on this. Like these are genuinely like things I'm hearing a lot. And yet when you ask for answers, it's really complicated because the National Federation can't do that on its own. The clubs have to do that. The clubs have to like cooperate to make that work. And I think when I start wanting to point fingers, I'm pointing at people like, he's not the only one, but he makes himself a really easy target, Claudio Latito, who's always more interested in his bloody local power base and he isn't making something cooperative for the league that helps the league get better. And I think every time those, and it isn't just him, it's a lot of them, every time those presidents get together for one of their meetings, everything seems to go worse and not better. So that's where my finger is pointing, first of all, club presidents who can't bloody cooperate and act like adults. Mina. I, I'm scared to say this because I don't agree. So I don't know what to do. And I have found myself in this situation. Come, tell us if you disagree. Please. What do you disagree on? I, I agree that Serie A is really struggling. And I agree on all the points of marketing, the, the how hard they make it for anyone to have access to anything, you know? I disagree mm. with the way that PR is handled. I disagree with the way that Lotito and, and certain others manage and, and coach, uh, sorry, manage their clubs and, and how much they're interested in domestic power than they are in anything more about the collective effort of growing the league. Yeah. I agree with the problems in Serie A, but I also agree with like the red tape that allows us to not, you know, have stadium that allows the money to flow more naturally that all of this business. But here's the thing, like, I disagree with the fact that Italian Italian football is not a huge interest to other players. I think it is. I, I think that it's still, despite its madness, has managed to bring in Lukaku and, and make him miss us every single day of his life. It's true. That it brought in Ronaldo. Very true. Well, Martinez doesn't want to go to the Premier League and said, it's never been of interest to me. It will always be La Liga or Serie A. And I still think that people... Look at, you know, there's still a wonder about Milan. And, 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 and yes, it is built on the back of like excellence in over decades and decades, which we are slowly stripping away. I, I'm not denying that, you know, but I do still feel for me that Serie A is still a very attractive place to be. And, and that is at least on a corporate level mimicked by how much investment is coming from abroad and big consortiums and big businessmen and big mergers and acquisitions men who want to invest in this country and make it what it is whether it's B777 in Genoa or obviously all of that, if there is no way of growing this league and they know there's bureaucracy issues that they can definitely look into, but if they didn't actually feel that there was a way to get past all this red tape, there would be no investment from, from teams that I'm saying to you like Owen Goldman Sachs, you know? So from a corporate level, I still believe in, in the potential. I think that we need to start being a little bit more like maybe international and corporate in the way that we discuss things and drop all of this drama that we have, you know, in terms of youth, I don't get it because everything that I read 
uh, coming up to yours was how Maurizio Viscaldi came in and changed everything with Igor Saki and the technical director and all this investment in youth and creating an under-15 team and, and changing the competition to make it harder and focusing more on technique rather than tactics and blood and blah and blah and the Italian revolution since 2010 and Billy Costa Corta and Dimitri Albertini all decided that this is way to go and this is why Euro 2020 happened. This is why the great Milan, the great Inter, the great Juventus all have a midfielder that is on the national team and a young star in Locatelli, in Santo Tonali, in Nicolo Barella. Right now, I look at this team and it's really young. I mean, there's still, you know, Zaniolo not being played and there's still Calabria not being chosen. Yes, Mancini made mistakes on a tactically level. He had a team that was entirely horizontal without any vertical points. Largely, it's because a lot of his vertical points weren't available. Locatelli mm. had COVID, Chiesa we know is injured. We know Spinazzola has been out for a long time. But we did the revolution. We're helping youth come a chance. But it's not my fault when Nicolo Fagioli comes on and says, well, we're not given a chance. You know what? Why don't you go abroad? You have Andrea D'Amico as your agent. You know you can get a move and a chance abroad, but you don't want to. None of you want to move abroad. None of you want to do what Tammy Abraham does and go to a foreign country and try to be a leader and try to find your chances, whether they are at Dortmund. You think Jude Bellingham had 20 million of a, a, a had Manchester United come up to him and said, you know what? I want to play every day, so I'm going to Dortmund. Which Italian would choose to do that? So don't sit there and complain to me that Juventus is not allowing you to play in the midfield while Ronaldo is up front. Go ahead and show me you've got the courage to play abroad and you can manage it. You have a super agent in charge of you. This is what bothers me. No one wants to leave. No one wants to grow and, wow. and broaden their horizons. I mean, so sometimes the, the, the day, super agent yes, takes you to the wrong place. It. Like Don, Donnarumma, by the way. Yes. Sometimes the super agent right. takes you off and makes no, a bad decision because for Donnarumma you. will grow. Donnarumma will face more of these challenges. Right, last year, his biggest challenges were what he was going to do in the derby against Inter. He's stuck behind Navas for the rest of his career. Back in Serie A next year. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, at least he went out there and is being criticised. And if he has the strength of character, he will overcome that. At least that's a step forward. I agree with you. PSG is ideally not the place that these guys should be going to because they crumble like a cookie. Yeah. But my point is, is that we had back in the day, Panucci, you know, players that were going to Real Madrid, that were going abroad, that were trying to seek different pastures. And they, you know what? They didn't need to because Serie A was at the height of its power. But when Serie A is not at the height of its power and you're not getting game time, then look for it. Make sure you get it. Do what Sandro Tonali does, you know, and if you don't have to lower your wages, then go abroad. Choose a place that will put you at the center of the project and will help you. And we don't do that. And secondly, the media that's complaining about the youth. By the way, I read all the reports on CIES Football Observatory yesterday. I didn't sleep for five hours. Okay, <laughs> And the statistics that they cherry picked about the youth and under 20s, such garbage. Yeah, honestly, it's such garbage. And if you want to mention that about how we don't help youth, here's something that I want to say to you about what Jose Mourinho did. Yeah. This is a line that he said, Jose Mourinho, who arrived in Roma on a Vespa, was genuinely sad. This is in the 3-0 loss to Inter. He had the alibi of a powerful absence, of course, but he could have presented a more dignified Roma than the one that defended with five, um, even when losing 3-0. Blah, blah, blah. What could he have done? Maybe dare Mayoral with Zaniolo. Um, maybe bring on Villa, Villar, or maybe try with Dabo and Diawara. Look at all the players that they mentioned. Instead, he chose Bove and the rookie Volpato to be able to say in his press conference, what can I do if only I have children? 
pathetic. They called him pathetic for introducing two young Roma players, the ones that we all want to see, but Gazetta thinks it's pathetic. And it's the same Gazetta that's complaining we're not choosing youth. You know what? Change your media. Change everything. Don't just complain. Everyone points fingers. Do it as a collective effort. And it starts with us. I mean, I don't disagree with anything you've said uh, at all. Uh, and especially the opening point, especially the opening points you made with regards to the fact that there is lure to play in Italy. There's no doubt about that. There are seven, eight historic clubs in wonderful cities. There is a great lifestyle aspect here. Clubs with history, sure, but absolutely. I, I guess my... I guess where I'm coming from is I'm a little cautious that as each year, as each season goes by with less success, less silverware, less lure, that next wave of kids coming through, you know, the, the early teens now who are making their way through the youth ranks, will they dream of playing at Juve, Milan or Inter or will they dream of playing at Chelsea, Man City and, and PSG? That's where I'm a little concerned at this point in time. And, and I feel that if the leaders yeah, that we true. have in place now – are still the same leaders that we have in place in 10 years from now, which is very possible knowing how things work here. We're not in a good place. So that change has to take place now because we still do have, as you correctly said, the Lukaku's and Lautaro's who, well, clearly there is Tammy Abraham. Clearly there is something about it here still. And I'll defend that forever and ever and ever because I, I that's what I love about the Italian game. So I, I agree with everything you've said, absolutely. But I just like to see... Whatever that change is, sooner rather than later, because as each year goes on, I feel we're falling further and further behind. I just wanted to sort of throw in to, to wrap this little section up for focus. Our producer Simon is desperate for me to take a quick pause. Um, uh, I wanted to sort of uh, tie it off and say, you know what? You know who did go abroad? Um, Italian young player and has come back better for it. Gianluca Scamacca, who I was sad we didn't get to see in this game. Um, who did? Exactly. Went to PSV, has come back stronger for it. Yeah. This, we're not done talking about this game. We're just going to take a quick pause here and we'll have more to say in a sec. Oh, Mina, you've lit a fire in this conversation. I'm, yeah. Oh, I'm so much to say. No, I love working with you, Mina, because you, you get me animated. Come on, explode. Shall I throw mud? <laughs> so we've talked about things in the big picture, things that aren't uh, great and we're not happy about. I'm going to sort of say on the other side of it, there's no way of feeling good when you're out of a, a, a Euros. Um, I think that Mina made a really important point there. Out of Euros, out of a World Cup. Sorry, um, Mina made a really important, <laughs> a really important point there about not everything in this squad is da buttare via. Um, there is some core of which you can start the next team from, right? You can, you've still got Nicola Barella, who's playing at Inter. You've still got. I mean, I'm. I'm gutted for Verratti he's going to miss another World Cup because he's going to be really getting um, up in years by the time that the next one comes around but he's not going anywhere for the time being you've got Bastonia centre-back you've got this potential to sort of um, bring in more players into that midfield group who are really interesting Pellegrini Tonali there's some interesting players in that midfield you've got um, the Sassuolo pairing who won't be a Sassuolo much longer of uh, Raspadori and, and Scamacca who are going to come into that attack there are things and Donnarumma of course is going to be there for a very very long term in goal there are things to build on and the immediate question that Italy had to face up to in the wake of um, this exit, besides the uh, first question I think everyone should be bloody asking, which is which idiot agreed to have a friendly against Turkey if we lose? Um, but the next question was, 
The next question was, who's going to lead this project going forward? And it seems like the answer that everyone came to, or well, everyone in the Federation came to was Roberto Mancini. He's staying on for the time being. I personally like that better than the other ideas that I heard. Um, Cannavaro working with Lupi was mooted, which really sort of spoke to me to what I think Adriana was saying before of like, Italian culture has this like, hold on to the oldies mentality, not just in football, all yes, through yes, culture. Yes. And so it's like, oh, things haven't gone wrong. Let's go back to what worked 16 years ago. So I'm glad that's not happening. I'm okay with Mancini saying on, how do you guys feel about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm very good with it. I think that Mancini, obviously there have been a couple of a couple of issues and really only that's a couple of issues. There were two defeats in, in recent time, the Spain defeat, obviously in the Nations League, which brought an end to that 37-game unbeaten run, which is a world record, still a great achievement, and obviously mm-hmm. this one a big, big error. But, look, I think Mancini was able to, yes, blood some new challenge. He was also able to create a new identity Again, we have to think back to when he came in and how difficult those times were, arguably more difficult now. But he came in at a time where no one would ever have predicted that he would have been able to to turn that around so quickly. And I'm very comfortable, again, having seen them up close, the one thing that, that stuck out for me, particularly during the European Championships, which became well known towards the end, but just you could sense the unity within that squad. Training sessions... Just, just around the, the team eating, they, they were just a really tight-knit group and you just felt that that would produce the best opportunity for that group of players to maximise their potential. Now, that hasn't happened, obviously, on, on this occasion, but I do think that Mancini, what he's built, I think if we were to go to a Cannavaro and Lippi, well, that would be effectively completely starting all over again and well, what would be the point of that? So if Mancini has, has the desire to continue because... I think there were, was some talk that he would perhaps stand down after the World Cup in any case. I do recall reading something like that earlier in the piece. But I feel that if Mancini wants to continue, for me, best man for the job. Mina? Well, I mean, yeah, the options were what Gattuso, Deservi and, mm. and Cannavaro, and I wanted to cry at all three of them. <laughs> you wanted Deservi I mean, secretly <laughs> inside. You were like, yes, give me that <laughs> reckless Deservi ball. <laughs> I was like, honestly, if this enemy was going to come, I was going to support France at this point because I didn't know what to do, you know. But I was like, really, we've gone from like, you know, the likes of like Trapattoni, Marcello, Lippis, you deserve me? Like, really, this is it? <laughs> we talk about giving you the chance. Maybe that was the whole point with Deserbi. I don't really know, you know. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy with Mancini. I don't think he's the world's greatest coach. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I think that. He got lucky in the end that he faced Southgate um, because he Southgate couldn't respond. But I think a better coach would have managed it. And I think Luis Enrique, for example, is a better coach. And it's good that that went into penalties, but you saw what happened in the Nations League. I do weirdly not understand some of his choices because in the beginning it was about calling up Zaniolo, who wasn't playing for him. It was about playing with a certain level of freedom. And now there seems to be a lot of fear. And I don't know why certain players mm. are not being called up. You know, why there is a reluctance to include Zaniolo now. I, I don't know if it's an attitude thing or whatever it is. I don't know what it is he has. But why is, I mean, Florenzi doesn't even play for Milan. Like, why is Calabria not being called up? You know, like, mm. it's it's bizarre to me. And and Jao Pedro, really? That's where we are? <laughs> like, we need to call up Jao Pedro? 
Didn't that, like when I was saying before about like the inevitability of a narrative, like Gerard Pedro going on, like that mm. just felt like such an Italy's going out narrative. Like, Absolutely. look who we've got to save us. The Absolutely. player from the relegation te- threatened team who hasn't yeah. scored in two months, who isn't that good. Like, I know mm. people like, and he does, look, technically he does things that are fun, right? Sometimes he scores great goals. I enjoy watching him, but I've never felt like he, I wanted him in the Italy team. Not Nothing to do with this Oriundo crap people get into, like the Oriundi. Like, I'm not interested in that. I just didn't think he was good enough. Yeah. And Nikki, can I ask, in that, in that last period, obviously in the stadium, there was the double switch, Chiellini and Joao Pedro coming in. Uh, it, it happened so quickly for me that I didn't actually properly take in what was happening. But was there a – the Chiellini entrance was Mancini was cramping a little – Joao Pedro coming in to mix things up up top. But to my, it just felt to me in the stands that it was very tense, very late on, but making a double switch with five minutes to play and we're inevitably going into extra time, it just felt wrong. And like you said there, it felt to me as if, okay, we could be going out here. Like It's like we're the desperate ones right now. And that's, again, yeah. as I said a little earlier, when when the goal went in, it was like I was sort of expecting that. It albeit they hadn't shot the whole half, but it was just a very bizarre situation. Joao Pedro coming in for his debut. Chiellini had already made an error a minute before and it was like, well, okay, that was sort of perhaps meant to happen. It's like, the thing is, in the detail of this, it's also avoidable, right? Like um, Mm. even the goal, I, I, I watched it back today and you see what happens when the ball goes forward and Jorginho puts his arm up to sort of appeal for a handball that wasn't there. If Jorginho doesn't put his hand up and just commits to defending, probably the goal doesn't get scored because he's literally about half a step away from blocking it. And that, you know, is so sort of frustrating because it's like a, a mentality thing on him. And I think that Italy's mentality by the end is completely gone. Earlier in the qualifying campaign, there are some things that happened. I'm like, some of it is just bad luck, right? Like, like against Switzerland in the second game, I think it was Insignia had a shot that, uh, so I think it was, what was it? it was a shot across came in from one side. It deflects off a defender in the middle and Sommer saves it with his boot. And it's one of those things that you couldn't repeat if you tried it a thousand times. Like it's just, the ball is going in. He's already dived the other way. His fook, his boot just catches it and it goes out. But that's football. And yeah. I, I think it's really hard in a moment after losing the World Cup to sort of, grab onto what's rational and what's not. And I think Mancini absolutely needs to prove something to me now because he, he got things right at the Euros. And then what's bothering me is that he hasn't adjusted at all when things have started going worse. Like he needed to adjust and he hasn't. The difference with Ventura four years ago is Ventura never got it right to begin with. So there was nothing good to hold on to with Ventura. Here it's like there's something I can hold on to, but that he does need to prove something now. He needs to prove that he can do more than one formation for a start because I think that this is no longer the right formation for the players he has. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. And I do like, I think you have to see which game requires what type of player, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, as in there are some matches in which I think, yes, okay, you like Verratti, Jorginho, they both hold the ball, but actually what Locatelli gives you is a much more vertical presence, you know? Um, and if you are looking for, if your Immobile can't come through for you, then maybe you need a midfielder that scores goals. And, I would have probably tried also Piscina or like Pellegrini or something, you know. And it's it's annoying me that he focuses, or he seems to have his favourites now, which is something that I never thought that he would do, you know. Mm. I'm, 
I'll be honest with you, there, there was a lot of moments, even in the Euros, where I was like, these are bad choices, you know? But you know what? It doesn't matter because I agree with one thing that you said that Diana is he's created a great unit. And to create that harmony is very difficult, you know? If I'm looking at better coaches, frankly, I think like Stefano Pioli is a much better coach, you know? Mm-hmm. But it is about everything coming together. And, and obviously, the guy is doing a wonderful job in Milan, and I don't want to strip him away. But I think what you also don't have is that, w- with all due respect, you can't have these high pressure situations and rely on Sassuolo players to get you through. And I don't mean that with any, I don't mean to be disrespectful here. Yeah. But it is about us putting our teams in bigger challenges, in bigger competitions, making them learn from this. I know it's a tough year for Donnarumma and it's not the ideal place for him to go considering he's not playing all the time, but it is about trying to put yourself in situations that help you grow and become leaders. Chiellini made so many mistakes. Daniele De Rossi made so many mistakes growing up. Buffon made mistakes, you know, but it's about facing like teams like Real Madrid and Barcelona on a consistent basis, which you can't do if you're playing for Sassuolo. And then you bring on a guy from Cagliari and you're bringing on Lorenzo Insigne, who's just like had the worst year of his life, you know, and doesn't even want to win trophies. He's decided to pack up and go to Toronto, you know? My point is, is that there is an element of we need these guys like Berardi to move on to bigger clubs and try to face different things and, and get them in that situation on a more consistent basis to understand the mentality. There is no, I, there was no mentality. There was no, Immobile took four touches of the ball before every shot. It was like Van Hal had trained him for the last few years, you know? Like, I just don't understand what was going on. But despite all of that, I also want to go back to something else that I, I just thought to myself is football is a, a, a game of fine margins. It really, really is. If Georgina had scored one of those penalties, we would not be here talking about needing a revolution. Yeah. And I just want to say, like, you know, there was there was this wonderful Real Madrid side in the end of the 80s. And then Johan Cruyff got the job at Barcelona. His side was tanking. They were terrible in the league and they had a Copa del Rey final against Real Madrid. Real Madrid that had Quinta del Butre, five youth players, okay? And you know what they did? They got their man sent off. So Barcelona was playing with 11 men against 10 men for 45 minutes. If they didn't win that Copa del Rey, which they did, there would be no dream team. Johan Cruyff would have probably been sacked and we would never be sitting here talking about everything they won afterwards. But it really is. That guy got sent off for Real Madrid. Barcelona had a man up for, for 45 minutes and it started a whole revolution. And it really is sometimes just something so small as a missed penalty by Jorginho. But I'm telling you here, like, despite everything, I think that they would have figured it out for the World Cup. I really do feel Italy would have done something in this World Cup. That's always the frustrating thing, isn't it? We'll never know. Yeah. So I don't want to throw away everything and start talking about this drama and madness and let's rip off everything. We don't have enough youth. Where are the 16-year-olds? You know, like, <laughs> you can calm down. Like, as in, there's a lot we need to change in Serie A. I think Serie A, mm. 100% I agree with all of that. But in terms of the national team, I really like some of the steps that they've taken forward. And I really like what we've built here. And you know what? The, the two biggest importers of foreign talent are England and, and Italy. And you can say all of you what you want to say about youth. But guess who reached the final of Euro 2020? Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I just very, very quickly on Berardi, I mean, because you mentioned him there. It's really interesting you say that, I think, because he is such an iconic leader player who hasn't moved when he's had the chance to. He was wanted by Juventus, he chose not to. And actually, in this last bit of qualifying, not just the playoff, if there was any one player other than Jorginho, Jorginho is the number one and look, he plays at Chelsea and has won everything. 
But anyone other than Jorginho, if there's any one player who has been in position more times uh, to, to to get Italy through, it was Berardi because it was against Switzerland, it was against Macedonia. Like he had several points in this campaign where one goal could have done it. This conversation, we could go on and on for hours and I think we better not because um, our producer will murder us. But um, I wanted to make sure, Adriana, <laughs> if you had anything else that you wanted to sort of say just to wrap this up. Um, if not, we'll go to another quick break and then we'll come back with other stuff we want to talk about. Look, I, I think I think in the end, the last two playoffs that we've played, I calculated earlier, fifty nine shots, zero goals. <laughs> it's it's uh, you you are exactly right, Peter. Inches, one goal here, one goal there, and then who knows what happens? Italy historically, they've, they've done this. Go back to the eighty two World Cup, three draws in the group stage, and then go and beat mm-hmm. everyone and anyone, and go and win the tournament. I uh, covered the 2010-2014 the World Cups, group stage exits, horrible. But you look at 2014, eliminated with a with a late defeat, Diego Godin scores against Italy. If they go through, the draw was actually relatively straightforward. Who knows how deep they go? It's a, look, yeah. it's a frustrating reality of, of the Italian history in football. It's, it's just been the way it's been. But unfortunately now it's at a point where two back-to-back Playoff exits, something must change because it, it cannot be. A, and I'm, I'm in agreement. Yes, obviously, winning the Euros are a remarkable achievement. Yes, Italy and England being there shows that they are both developing great, but there's something not right. And that does need to be addressed. It doesn't need to be a mass overhaul, but we do need to start taking some some steps forward as a, as a unit, not just Serie A, not just the national team, not just the youth development, maybe a couple of clubs build stadiums. I think as a whole, Italian football really needs to work together because otherwise, as I said a little earlier, I think we just all fall behind as each year goes by without success. All right, I'll leave on one last optimistic thought. France didn't qualify for 1990 World Cup, didn't qualify for 1994 World Cup, came back and won the 1998 World Cup. So cross your fingers, guys. That's the path we need to follow. Okay, guys, wanted to uh, do a quick moment of appreciation for our lovely supporters who help keep this podcast being a thing. We had a message this week from a new Patreon member. We had a few new Patreon uh, signups. Uh, I don't know if that was just people wanting to rally around and, and help us feel better after the, the horrible week, but as Skylar from Raleigh in North Carolina joined us as a new Patreon member with a message. Hi, Nikki and Mina. I know Italy's recent loss is weighing on you both at the moment, but I want to say thank you for the consistently brilliant analysis and fun conversation you provide on the pod every week. I've only been watching Serie A for the past few years. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina in the USA, and the English Premier League was the most accessible league when I started watching football, but you've both helped me fall in love with the Italian game. I learn so much every week and you're both delightful company on my walks. God, I'm blushing. Um, I hope yeah, you keep so sharing nice. your passion and insight about Syria for years to come. Thank you so much, Skylar. That's a lovely message. I, I think interestingly, like even in there, you've kind of tied into what Adriana was saying before and what we were saying, like some of the other leagues do a better job of marketing themselves internationally and giving you a chance to support them. And I wish Syria did that better because yeah. despite all of its problems and it does have problems, I still, you know, I don't cover it just, you know, for the larks. I really enjoy getting to watch and cover Serie A. So I'm glad that we were able to share that with you. And thank you so much for being a, a Chronicles Diffuso. And that we accompany you on walks. 
I know. Yeah, I, I just like the Hawks thing because that, you know, especially when we had lockdown, I was always in the park listening to podcasts. So it's just nice to think that someone was listening to us. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really nice. Now, we also had um, Manal gave us a um, lovely tip on Kofi. And I've heard, Mina, that in tribute to this, you have prepared another limerick for us. I did. And it's about, well, it's about what we're going through right now. <laughs> the, the, all the, the pain of Italy not managing to make another World Cup, you know. Oh, God. So I wrote this just for you, Manal. Is this what it takes to get a limerick? <laughs> like Italy has to go through a national tragedy for Mina to give us another limerick? Pretty much. <laughs> also because <laughs> I actually don't have any work now that Italy is not making it. You know, this is another thing. Coming up. Like yeah. I have more time on my hands to be like, yes, let's write poetry, you know. Um, or just bad poetry at this one. Um, okay. At a time when we are filled with sorrow and pundits wonder whose style we should borrow, Guardiola's football we cannot finesse. Shall we try the German press? We have to remember Italy is a football pioneer. Our style won us four World Cups. Let us be clear. We don't copy, nor do we imitate. We have to just find a way of accepting this long wait. We must choose courage and teach to fight. We may not dazzle you, but we know how to bite. We cannot promise youth and we may not manage perfect play. But I guarantee you one thing, Italy will do things their way. Oh, how do we follow that? That was brilliant. (laughs) Very nice. Oh, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> it wasn't dirty. You know, I always expect Mia's lyrics to sort of go off in, there, <laughs> in a different direction, which never happens. Nikki, if someone listens, just because I once accidentally said something about balls, it doesn't mean that I'm dirty. It just means that I don't have a grasp on my English. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, um, please do. I feel uh, like you're disappointed. Of course I am. Um, I'm lying. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful limerick. Um, you know, I'm just messing with you, Mina. But yes, thank you so much, everyone. Do um, come check out our website at seriachronicles.com. And if you are so inclined, join us on the Patreon at seriachronicles.com forward slash Patreon or click the Chronicles Tifosi button on the website. Or if you'd like to support the podcast with uh, one-off donations, you can also do that via Ko-fi. Again, there is a button right there on the website waiting for you. It feels really difficult to transition from the heavy topic of Italy missing a World Cup to any other business, but there is other stuff still happening in football. The world didn't actually stop. Um, Mina, I know you've been interested with Paolo Dybala's future and what could happen now that he's not going to be staying at Juventus? What, what's the latest? Well, I find it really easy to transition because both things make me so angry. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> this is just... <laughs> and actually, Paolo Dybala is the only thing. Oh, God, this is terrible. I really am sometimes a very horrible person. But like, there was this moment when everyone, I'm sure, read the Javi report about what he thinks of Dybala. And I did really laugh to myself and I thought, poor Dybala, you know, he wanted 10 million and Xavi thinks he's overrated, you know. Um, I guess my point is, is that it's interesting to see where I think he's going to go and people think it's going to be into. But my question in all of this is, 
to replace who and to play alongside who? Because I don't understand if Inter bring in another player that doesn't score, but really creates a lot more. Like that's his prime time job, right? It is creating opportunities. It is his presence on the ball. That is his technical skill, which they seem to have. What they don't have is, is a Romelu Lukaku. Um, so I don't understand. Is this actually a good deal for them if they do decide to go for him? And if it's not Inter, does he actually have anywhere to go because PSG were, you know, is where he'd like to go, but I think they're going to try to go for Haaland or somebody of a big name because they care about selling shirts. So what is this guy's future? It's a tough one. And I actually want to know, Adriana, where does, Adriana, where do you sit on Paolo Dybala? Because Mina has strong feelings and our listeners know them, but yeah. our listeners don't know how you feel about Dybala. Yeah. No, look, I've been a big fan of, of Dybala over over the years and, and always been a big supporter of his. He, look, obviously not Italian, but came through Palermo, went to Juve, has always given his all. Obviously, injuries have been the issue. There's no doubt about that. But loves the club. All the reports were that he was shocked as to the eventual outcome. And it, I think it's a sad end. I do feel for the individual. I think it's the right move, though, yeah. by the club. I think it was certainly a difficult move, a difficult decision to come to, but at the end of the day, it's business. He is nearing 30 years of age, and to invest that sum of money in a player who has not been on the park, uh, has been on the park as little as he has, particularly in those key moments, it's, it's, it is time. Where next? It's, it's such a tough one. I, initially, I did feel that Atletico could be I've seen it rumoured Atletico. I did feel that Atleti perhaps could be a destination, but I agree, Mina. Inter is not the fit. It's not. It's not just not the fit. They don't need another player like that, barring any mass exodus at the club, which then would leave yeah. England for me. I don't see PSG as a realistic option. It would leave England, but who in England? Because at this point, Conte and Tottenham, there is that potential connection. Obviously, Liverpool have been previously linked. What happens with Salah Mane? But again, this isn't a player who's going to come in and score the 30 goals that Salah is scoring in the Premier League. And I just don't see it. At this point in time, with that demand financially from his end, where the outcome lies. So I think it's very early on in the piece. But my feeling is one of sadness. I I, I really respect the player, really respect the individual, and, and I'm sad that this is the way that it's ended for him. Yeah, I, you oh, know, I, so nice. I, I think I've talked about it before. Like I, the contract situation, I think it makes total sense. You mentioned not to keep him. In terms of destinations, the only thing that's like in my head with the Premier League is, is there any way he get back together with Pogba at Manchester United? Just because I really felt like they were sort of, like they were bros when they were together, weren't they? Like they were always like taking foot selfies together and, and, and larking around. Does like, Pogba stay though? Language. Yeah, well, that's on, exactly. You want you want Manchester United to invest in another <laughs> player that doesn't really care about <laughs> anything, but is just a brand who, who went to Allegri and asked for more time off on Sunday. Yeah, who asked for more time off as captain because he didn't like the training schedule. This is the guy that United need. <laughs> I just think for a team that's desperate to get back to an authoritative style of play. Your man is not the guy. And I don't know. I don't know. But you know what? The guy has injuries and that's the problem. And if he goes to Atletico, Jao Felix and him, are they too similar in their approaches sometimes as well? This is like a really sort of profound point, I think, about like how football is shaped now. Never say never with any of the Premier League clubs coming up with the money because the Premier League clubs all have money. That's just how it is now. Like they do. 
Other news going on in Italy this week, um, Sinis Mihailovic, really sad story, um, is his leukemia is back. Um, he is facing it with all the courage that you would um, expect him to uh, in his interview, you know, basically kind of giving it the uh, leukemia, obviously, you know, didn't learn its lesson the first time. I'm going to have to knock it about again, which is a very Mihailovic type of response to it. But in all sincerity, yeah. you know, it's scary stuff. And I, and I hope he, he comes through that well. You know, the, the, the other big thing in Italian football, of course, is it is the Derby d'Italia coming up this weekend. Um, so Juventus against Inter. Is this one last chance for Juventus to get into a title race, Adriano, or has that ship sailed? <laughs> is it one last chance for Inter to save their title bid, given how horribly uh, things yeah. have gone for them over the last few weeks? Anyone can still Do you win even it? care, Adriano, considering <laughs> Italy aren't in the World Cup? I'm, I'm just like in this, you know. Well, to be very honest, I was I was very much planning to be, my next match was supposed to be tomorrow evening in Porto, but I had to cancel that because we're not there. Mm-hmm. So this will be my next match. You'll be into, it's, I, it's a, again, it's a bit of a hollow feeling, empty feeling going back to Serie if I'm being very honest, to, to get back into it. But we do have the most exciting title race in Europe, which is certainly a great thrill these last eight weeks. And I think if Juventus can win, despite it's incredible because despite everything this season, they are still a legitimate chance. I certainly think that Milan are now well and truly in the box seat, obviously. They're, they're looking very good, nice run home. But stranger things have happened in football. And we can say it this way, whoever loses this weekend, you'll be Inter. I think that's that. I think that's the end of their run. But... Certainly for Juve, who knows, three points against an Inter team who certainly not been anywhere near their best consistently. I think that they're still in with a chance, which might put some fear into Milan and Napoli. Mina, do you believe? It's the derby of mediocrity. It's the derby of mediocrity. Wow. Yeah. Honestly, I just feel like, you know, I'm sure that Inter will have 75 chances and manage three shots on target. And (laughs) Juventus will (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're pretty good. And the Juventus will just be like diabolically dull to watch. And I'm just very sad at the moment. So everything is Milan is actually the only thing that's getting me through this right now, you know, um, because I feel like Stefano Pioli will maybe entertain me somehow. Um, yeah, I think it's a one-one draw. I, I can't see either team scoring more than a goal. So. No. I think a 1-1 draw would be very bad news for Inter. I think it would be okay for Juventus because I think that realistically they're not really thinking about the league title, even though we like to, uh, journalistically, people like to talk about it. I, I think that's it's it's so hard for them to get there still that I think it's it's not really what their focus is on. On the subject, since you mentioned purely mean, I have to give myself a little plug for, I did get to speak to Fikayo Tamori this last week and that was a really... Excellent really fun interview. conversation. Um, thank you. Um, really interesting, actually, in context of what we talked about earlier about the attractiveness of Serie as a league. Because for him, he was genuinely really excited to to come to Italy. I think it's a really interesting contrast, actually, between the two English players who are in Serie A right now, who are both well, there's a few, there's more than two, but I'm thinking of the, the two big names, I suppose, um, which are Fikayo Tamori and and Tammy Abraham, who of course were friends at Chelsea and. You know, I haven't had a chance to sit down with Tammy Abraham. I hope I will at some point. But certainly the way that I've sort of heard his story, the way that I've heard him talk about it and interviews other people, it sounds like he sort of needed his arm twisted a little bit to come to Serie A, or at least he needed to think about it. It took him a few days. It waited until Jose Mourinho sort of called him up and he was like, you know what, Jose is someone who he has left a big impression of it when he went Chelsea and, and helped 
swing it. Talking to Tamori also helps swing it. But Tamori, clearly ever since he was a kid, like he, as we talked about, like wanted to go and have an experience abroad, wanted to go and, and live in a different country. And I just think his, the way he has thrown himself into not just, um, not just the football, because the football is one thing, but the living in Italy, the learning Italian, shifting his life and, and making it a fit more where he is rather than expecting Italy to fit around him is, is really admirable. And, um, yeah, I, I hope that, um, that people find the, inter- the interview interesting, but he's, uh, he's definitely a really easy guy to root for. And I think, um, I- I'm really interested to see with both of them actually, but I think, I don't know. I, I can, I can, in my head, I can well imagine Abraham's story in Italy not being the longest one. They'll come to Italy, score a lot of goals and then go back. I think Tamori might be around for, for a while. I think he's, I think he's, he's really enjoying it. So we'll see. That's me speculating a little bit there. He's such a humble man. He, he comes across as a really lovely, like just a, a normal guy, you know? He really did. He really did. He really does. Um, he, he is, he's a, he's a very sort of humble um, fascinating character. I don't know if you've had a chance to sort of speak to him, Adriano, because you get you get everywhere. You're in every uh, every city every weekend. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't yet, but it's just great to see good people do good things, and and great to see him flourishing, and and great to see them both having that experience. I mean, that's again bringing it back to the the great experience of playing in this country, and it does have plenty to offer. So that's just so great to see, and and historically England as well as Italy, not often do players travel abroad so that's that's really refreshing and really really pleasing and and a, and a good obviously particularly going into the uk i think it's very good to see a couple of english players here doing very well as well so i'll be very grateful to sit down with them very very shortly but next assignment as i said you'll be into this weekend let's see hopefully it's a bit more exciting than the one one that you got that you're predicting but we'll see what happens <laughs> the picture i painted <laughs> yes I've got an important question for you, actually, Adriano, off Tamori, because yeah. Tamori, there's this video that went viral of him, like being given a sfogliatella on, uh, on the plane back from Naples. I did see that. And he enjoyed it a lot. And uh, he'd never had one before. And I was thinking, as uh, an Australian Italian who moved to Italy, what was your, cul- of your culinary adventures, what was the one that's left the biggest sort of moment with you? Do you know, for me, my... Again, my family all immigrated from Sicily to Australia in in the seventies, and I was I was born in Australia. And for me, the one dish that I always was raised without physically having all the time in Sicily was was a granita, which you have as a breakfast dish in Messina, where my family are from. It's a granita, uh, which I have as coffee flavor. So, cafe con panna with the with the cream and the brioche. And it is a dish which nothing too special, <laughs> nothing too flash, but it's literally a, a coffee-flavored granita with nice cream on the top and a fresh brioche. And for me, anytime I eat it wherever I am, it just gives me that feeling of being at home in Sicily. So that is certainly for me something that means more than just a dish. And I always take great pleasure out of enjoying it. So, Explain what a granita is to people who've never had one. A granita essentially is, let's say it's like a, a drink of frosted flavoured ice, let's say. We have words in Australia which certainly won't be applicable over here. So just trying to think of let's, let's say crushed, let's say crushed ice um, with with coffee. Lemon is a, is a common flavour, pistacchio, fragola, which is strawberry. And then you have the panna on the top, which 
is a very, it's not cream like in a cake, but it's a very thicker type of cream, which is just delicious. The brioche bun, which is normally quite warm, and you just rip off a little piece of the bread, dip it in the cream, and it's a it's a very pleasant way to start your day. So if you go to Sicily, that's, that's the absolute go-to. I'm so hungry right now. Um, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> Um, <laughs> I feel like Simon, our producer, is like, like his stomach is crumbling just listening yeah. to this because he keeps nodding happily at the screen. <laughs> Adriano, thank you so much for joining us for this um I don't know, grieving process, I'd like to say, um, for this episode in which we discussed, obviously, the rise and fall and the, and hopefully, I don't know, the future of Italian football. But can you tell our audience where we can see you on TV, where we can follow you, and maybe just talk to you a little bit? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Firstly, thank you, Nikki and Mina, for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure, and hopefully next time, more positive. Let's let's lock that yes. in next time, more positive. Yeah. And- uh, well, we're getting over the nightmares slowly, but more positivity to come, no doubt. But again, thank you. Um, you can you can see me depending on where you are in the world. But UK is BT Sport. I'll be with them there this weekend for you'll be into into Australia Opta Sport and Stan Sport have recently started some Champions League Nikki as well. Uh, and then other parts of the world, Super Sport in Africa, Sony Sports in India, ESPN in the US, and B in Sports Middle East and North Africa. So. Most parts of the world, there's my face pops up from time to time, and yeah, social channels, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Adrian Del Monte on those platforms. So again, guys, thank you, and keep up the great work you're doing. Wonderful work in general, especially for the Italian game. So really enjoy your work, and an absolute pleasure to join you. He's Mr. Worldwide, like Pitbull. Yeah, yeah. But um, you really are worldwide and we'll obviously link your Twitter and Instagram in the show notes. In the show notes, you'll also find links to Nikki's wonderful articles um, on Trophy and Tomori, uh, with Tomori as well. But thank you so much for listening to this show. We will be back on Friday with the Chronicles Q&A mailbag show. Check out our website at setiachronicles.com and click the Chronicles to Posey button to join our Patreon community where you'll get access to exclusive episodes and bonus content. Some of those may just be me crying down the line, but, you know, other other times they're quite useful. Um, (laughs) Or to support the show with a one-time tip, you'll also find a button on the website to take you there. You can also send us a question for the Q&A show via the website or on Twitter at SetiaCronPod. Find us on Twitter at Nikki Bandini, at Mina Rizuki, and subscribe to the Seti Hour Chronicles YouTube channel for clips of the show. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we'll be back to discuss uh, not the derby of mediocrity, but hopefully something a little bit better than that. <laughs> Thank you from all of us. Ciao for now.
Alza la coppa, capitano! Alza l'alta al cielo, capitano! Perché questa è la coppa di tutti gli italiani! Perché oggi, grazie a voi, abbiamo vinto tutti! Alza l'alta perché oggi è più bello essere italiani! Alza l'alta, capitano! Grande, grandissimi ragazzi, bravi, bravi a tutti, non ho altre parole. E adesso seguiteci ancora un po' e poi uscite per strada e fate sentire a tutti cosa vuol dire vincere un mondiale in Italia e poi andatevi a prendere all'aeroporto e festeggiare con loro perché se lo meritano, se lo meritano davvero. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.